this is Patrick Daly and welcome to Interlinks. Uh, Interlinks is a program about connections, international business, supply chains and globalization and the effects these have had on our life, our work and our travel over recent times. Recent years have been very challenging for business leaders and strategists all around the world, um, having to think about and strategize for their businesses as a succession of events have unfolded, including political upheavals, trade wars, pandemics, natural disasters, real shooting wars and, and inflation spikes, one after the other. And it seems without any respite apparent and no kind of return to so-called normality uh, to be seen on the horizon. Um, so in effect, there is no normal anymore. And, and the idea of getting back to normal just doesn't seem to make sense any longer. But nonetheless, um, as business owners and managers, we still need to think about the future, both in the short term and the long term. And, and we need to take strategic decisions for our companies to ensure that they're able to continue to develop and grow and adapt to the circumstances as they unfold, whatever it is they turn out to be. So um, how we can do this most uh, effectively, given the, the volatility and unpredictably of events is what we're going to be talking about uh, today. So I'm joined again by three of my colleagues from the um, Society for the Advancement of Consulting Special Interest Group. So we have with us uh, Elizabeth Warren, President and CEO of Dialed In Partners, based in San Pedro in the greater Los Angeles area in California. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you, Patrick. Appreciate the opportunity to be here today. Great to have you back again. Uh, we have David uh, Ogilvy, founder and principal of David Ogilvy Associates in Brisbane, Australia. Welcome, David. Good to be with you again, Patrick. And finally, Diane Garcia, president of uh, Lorraine Consulting, I think now based in, in Phoenix, but today traveling someplace around the world. Uh, so from Phoenix, Arizona. Welcome, Diane. Yeah, good morning. Glad to be here. You're very welcome. Um, so in, in terms of let's focus first on uh short-term acute challenges. So I'll, I'll, I'll touch on each one of you to, to, to see what you, 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 from your point of view, what are the most important short-term acute challenges that are being experienced by businesses right at this moment in time? Um, so David, what's, what's, what's your view on that? Well, Patrick, a number of um, clients that I've been helping uh, them with problems such as um, dealing with uh, material shortages, which we've spoken at length about in in other podcasts and so forth. Uh, they are also dealing with uh, the inflationary environment at the moment and the impact that that's having both on their on their margins and their ability to pass that on to to customers. So th that's two of the key areas. I guess we still have a lingering issue with labour shortages and those sorts of things. Um, and fortunately, there are some improvements coming down the pipeline where, the, you know, the costs of containers and those sorts of things have, have uh, started to improve and um, hopefully we'll have uh, seen the markets uh, changing a little. So but in the short term, they are really the, the, the key areas that they've been focusing on. So we've got material shortages, we've got inflation stroke margins, and we've got uh, labour, I guess, stroke uh, skills uh, shortages. Um Elizabeth, would you add any others to those or would you make a comment on what, what you think is the cause of the those short-term issues that people are experiencing? Well, those are great points, uh, David, and I, I could not agree more with you. Um, Patrick, the one thing that I would probably add is that COVID is still a threat in other parts of the world. Here in the U.S., 
Uh, we're pretty much learning to live with COVID kind of like we do as the flu. Uh, it, we've taken down all of our mask uh, requirements and now masking is an option. Uh, we have uh, you know, plenty of access to, to vaccines and also to medications. Uh, but in other parts of the world, it could still be a threat to shut down uh, either manufacturing or shipping. So uh, I would uh, recommend to, um, to our listeners and also to businesses just to take that into consideration wherever you are manufacturing, uh, that that could still be uh, a threat to getting uh, even more uh, material shortages and, and those raw materials or even some finished goods out of uh, Southeast Asia if uh, one of our ports has to shut down again. Yeah, that's that's true. Like in the last few weeks, I have been well. I'm, I am here. I'm, I'm here in Ireland as my, my base, but I've been also in. I've been in Spain. I've been in France, and I've been in Italy over the last number of weeks. So pretty much across Europe, it's a similar situation to the US. Masks are optional. Optional. Most people are are vaccinated with Pfizer or Moderna or one of those types of uh, vaccines. But I am conscious that in countries like uh, China. Uh, maybe maybe Russia, some of the Southeast uh, Asian countries, they, they haven't been using these types of vaccines. They haven't um, rolled them out to the same extent. And therefore, they're still uh, subject to, to rolling lockdowns, particularly in China. We've seen it on, on ongoing. And as we come into the Northern Hemisphere, uh, autumn and winter now over the next few um, few weeks and months, we may see we may see that coming um, back um, with, a, with, with a bang. And then we also have um, flu, which I understand. I understand, David, the flu this year in Australia was pretty bad, wasn't it? So we, we might be getting that now in our winter. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't really had had the flu all that badly, to be honest. I'm not no? sure okay. you really picked that up. Um, certainly, the influenza has has sort of shown its head again for 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 some reason. For two years or so, we didn't really have any influenza. Whether that's because they were calling the influenza uh, COVID or whatever it happens to be, and. It's probably probably because people were staying away from each other. <laughs> well, there's a bit of that too. That's exactly right. it, you know? yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, Diane, those uh, short term issues. So kind of double barrel question for you. Would you have anything to add? And, and what do you think is the immediate cause of those issues? So just to, to remind ourselves, so we've material shortages, we've inflation, we've uh, labor stroke skill shortages, and then we have this kind of COVID, COVID thing going on. Well, I would, uh, I would say that what I would add is what I've been working with clients on, and that is prioritization within their uh, facilities just because of the backlog that they're seeing. Um, you know, now I, I know that David mentioned material shortages. Most of my clients are not uh, waiting on material. They're, they're dealing with the labor shortages and trying to, you know, satisfy their entire backlog. And what that means is they really have to prioritize and figure out how to optimize uh, within their facilities. So I, I would say that's probably the main, main uh, you know, more recent projects I've been working on with clients. Mm. Um, and really, I think it's just this disruption. We've had disruptions like you're talking with COVID and trying to get, you know, materials out of certain places. And then now we have these materials in other places or, we're, or we have, you know, product on the seas. And so things just not have, have not been in the right place at the right time. And in the cases of my clients, most of them have had what they need in terms of material, but they don't have what they need in terms of labor. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we have we have all of these short term issues. So people are kind of reacting to those and taking uh, decisions and kind of trying to uh, find a way 
uh, work their way around uh, these things. And I think some of the immediate causes, obviously the, the pandemic um, happened, hopefully it's, it's, it's coming to an end. So the, so the pandemic is one of these kind of short-term shocks that comes and maybe, maybe will, will go away. We hope it will, will eventually go away. We have, the, uh, the war, which is maybe an, an immediate cause of some shortages as well, in Europe particularly, it's a it's a cause of um, inflation spikes in in energy costs. But the war again is something that's not going to go on forever. It's going to end one way or another uh, sometime. But what do you think? Uh, and this is an area I'm interested in exploring. There are other things going on in the world that have been going on for a long time, and they kind of predate uh, some of these shocks, the pandemic, and so on. Um, and I think they're affecting business as well. And they're interacting and interplaying with these short-term issues. But just like to, to get your own kind of view on them, what, what do you think are the big um, longer-term issues that are kind of permanent or semi-permanent, but are really going to change the way we think about our businesses? What would be your own take on that? Maybe I'll go in reverse order this time. I'll start with you, Diane. In terms of big long-term trends that we need to be taking into account in, in business terms, what do you think they are? Well, I do think that the labor shortages and the talent pool that we have today is 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 still a concern in the long term as well. I do see that you know we we as companies are are working to find talent and develop talent, which is you know what I would recommend we continue to do. But I do see that that could will that will carry forward. Uh, we will continue to see you know companies having to compete, and how does that? You know, how does that translate into your policies as how do you compete with the market on, on labor? I, I, do, I think that's a long term uh, issue that companies will continue to face. Here yeah, and- yeah, yeah. My, my kind of view on that, I see what others others think. I think that's kind of uh, baked into our demographics in um, in developed economies, say in the in, in the US, Australia you know, and, and Europe. Um, there are just fewer younger people uh, around while there are older older people say the baby boomer generation who are just retiring, retiring. Out, of the, out of the workforce and they're not being replaced. And then you're even having younger uh, people for one reason or another, people in their forties or fifties, maybe saying, no, I'm done. I'm out of here. Uh, I'm doing something else or going off to set up their own businesses or, or going to, you know, become a, a yoga instructor in, in the South of Spain or something like this. So there's all sorts of stuff going on like that. And I think they're kind of, they're kind of, uh, they're kind of baked in. Um, any, any, any others, Elizabeth, that you would see as kind of big long-term um, issues that we need to be thinking about? The one thing I would like to add uh, to Diane's comment about labor is that what we're hearing, and this kind of leads to what you just were talking about, Patrick, is um, what we're hearing here is, the younger generations looking for that work-life balance. So they don't, they're not wanting to have the traditional Monday through Friday, eight to five job. They, they're looking for more flexibility. They're looking for um, ways that they can stay home and be with their families while still working. And there's a lot of, of companies that still are want people to come into the office. So I know that's a challenge here. Um, but yet the other point that I wanted to add another issue and that's especially here, uh, something we deal with on a day-to-day basis in California, but also around the world. And that is sustainability, getting and energy, getting. And I, I, I know that David will talk a little bit more about this as well. But uh, you know, here in Southern California, we have uh, a very strong port uh, and logistics industry, which we are constantly trying to get emissions reductions through electric vehicles uh, and. Um, getting the emissions capped from different areas. And 
one of the things that we are, you know, industry is constantly fighting with uh, regulators is the amount of energy that's available and getting the and the type of energy and then getting it to uh, the users, uh, meaning that we have the demand for electric trucks. We have a mandate here in the state that uh, by 2035, we won't be able to buy combustion engines, vehicles anymore, cars, will only be electric cars. But the concern is we don't have enough electricity generated. And if we did, we don't have the infrastructure to get it to enough charging stations. Okay, so you've got you, you've got kind of two things there. So you picked up on the on the labor thing, the demographics, uh, which are kind of permanent. They're not going to they're not going to change anytime in the future. So that's with us for the foreseeable. And then you've picked up on this societal issue of young people's uh, attitude to work, which is very different from the previous generations, and that ain't going to change either. So those two things are kind of permanent that we're going to have to be dealing with. And now you've gone on to touch on the energy transformation. So the energy transformation, uh, regardless of the politics around it, so the energy transformation is there's going to be an energy transformation, and in that transformation, there's going to be discontinuity. So there's going to be perhaps a mismatch between supply and demand, or, or the ability to meet um, uh, demand, and that's kind of going to be that's going to be an ongoing thing, given the targets that have been set. So I know the, in the US or maybe at a state level, you have certain targets set. Here, here in Europe, we have we've to half emissions by 2030 and be net zero by 2050. So there's going to be massive implications of that for the energy transformation for the next two or three, two or three decades. 93.9, Dublin South FM. David, any other longer term issues that you see there besides those two or three that we've touched on? Uh, yes, Patrick, and, but I agree entirely with, with what everybody said so far. Um, particularly around that energy price, I've been talking about that being probably the constraint to bringing manufacturing back to this country at least is is uh, where energy price is going to be, uh, and particularly when you consider the current state of the of the, the budgets of most uh, governments at the moment, because they've been supporting businesses and and everybody through through you know their payments and things in in COVID, that that whole transition period uh, to twenty thirty five, I you know I just think there are some serious things uh, issues that were going to come out of this uh, of, of the transformation. I I. You know, a lot of people are promising lower energy prices with the renewables. Um, I just don't see the with when you consider the infrastructure that's required to to make this transition to to distribution networks and all of those sorts of things. I just don't see that happening by twenty thirty five. And um, you know, the, the pace at which that change is going to have to happen uh, is going to be quite significant, and I think it'll have uh, quite serious ramifications. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think that there is a, a strong potential for some social unrest, particularly around governments mandating that you you, you have to have EVs and can't buy an industrial uh, internal combustion engine. I'm just not sure how well the population is going to to take on having no choice or freedom of choice about what they can buy or or, or what they can uh, do with their with their money. I think there's is a, a strong risk of social unrest. And I think there's also a strong influence, at least in this country, because we've just had a recently a, a recent change of government and we now have a left-leaning uh, government. The, the position of unions in this country is getting stronger and stronger, mm-hmm. and they are having a much uh, stronger influence on uh, the industrial landscape that's here, uh, and that's going to have some ramifications. 
and more particularly the influence that the unions have with their uh, industry superannuation funds. You know, there was a thought that we might be uh, be putting, you know, uh, union leaders on boards of companies because, you know, they, they, they are representing the, the, the superannuation fund, but it's now getting to a point where they are mandating where the investments from those companies have to come go to. And I think that's going to have some serious ramifications for organisations as well. Yeah, yeah. So I've heard some people comment that. Um, uh, so say we go back to the seventies and eighties, and um, if you like, unions were much much stronger. Um, and then we had the the Thatcher Reagan period in the in the eighties, and the unions lost a lot of um, lost a lot of sway, and the pendulum went more in the favour of of capital as opposed to uh to labor and you know the, the, the people are saying you know there's been a lot of inequality created in that period and it looks now that maybe the pendulum is swinging back the other way so we're seeing in right. the us we're seeing in, in in the uk we're seeing in in europe and in australia maybe the lay the the labor unions uh, gaining more power and the pendulum swinging back towards labor away from capital and i guess these demographic changes in terms of uh, people, their availability and their skills might also tip the balance in favour of, of labour. So I guess then people who are uh, running businesses or investing in business need to think very carefully about that and how they, how they deal with people and how they interact with their people and how they, how they reward them and how they um, look after them when they, when they have them. Absolutely. There's a lot of talk here at the moment about uh, bringing in a, a cross-industry bargaining uh, regime yeah. and there's Right, there's a lot of talk about you know the damage that that could potentially do, and so you know as business executives um, running companies, we need to be careful about what the impact this is going to be. And it, and I believe it's as you said, the pendulum has swung. Uh, it doesn't swing very quickly, so I think this is going to be one of those long-term things. Yeah, that will be with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you kind of uh, hinted at uh, at another one that I have on my kind of notes here, which is the kind of global debt accumulation and particularly the debt accumulation with with governments so it's it's constraining their ability to act and i think offline we were we were talking about the uh, the uk government they they took a decision so you know wh whether you agree with the politics or not of it they they took they took a decision which was essentially to borrow to finance tax cuts and there was there was reaction in the in the capital markets and the currency markets um, which is because they already had a very high accumulated debt and the kind of markets are going, okay, so you've got this debt and now you're going to uh, incur more debt in order to uh, finance tax cuts and you're also going to be subsidizing people's energy through through the winter. So it's kind of it kind of brings us to to our to our next kind of question, which is in in the context of these short-term pressures that we have, but with these long-term issues going on, how do we go about taking decisions? So it looks like the British government took a decision in response to acute pressures and maybe in their own beliefs, which might be right or might be wrong, we don't know, but the context didn't like it uh, and therefore they were punished for it. So as, as business people, how do you think we should be as a, as a kind of methodology for taking decisions, given all of these things we've put our finger, finger on? What, 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 do you, what do you think? Maybe, maybe Elizabeth, what do you think? How should we as we go about taking decisions, even about the acute things in the context of the long-term things? Well, we, we certainly have no shortage of challenges as, as businesses um, that are facing us in the short-term and, and in the long-term. So I would recommend to my 
uh, to my clients that they look at, um, at, at both their short-term and long-term investments by uh, what can they do today to uh, maximize um, their profits and, and maybe to hold on to some of their cash uh, and, and uh, look at the investments that they are going to make for the long-term that will um, allow them to be more energy efficient, to be more sustainable, and look at ways that they can retain the employees that they have, hang on to those, those uh, employees that have their institutional knowledge that they don't have to do retraining on, and find ways that they can uh, accommodate um, their, their current employees that they are retained for the long term. So whether that is with more flexible schedules, uh, you know, more vacation time, you know, something that they can retain and not have to have turnover for those employees, because trying to have, I just read an article about someone that was, that had hired like 10 people, only three showed up and one quit before noon. Okay. That, that turnover, that churn, that employee churn is very expensive. Yeah. So if you yeah. hang on to those employees that you have, don't get that turnover. And uh, hopefully we can write out this inflation uh, for the next year or so. And it's going to be with us for a little a little bit longer. We're not going to get out of this anytime soon. Yeah. And so, Diane, what do you what do you think about how would you take a decision in in the short term in response to a pressure point now, but in the context of the of the long term, how would you kind of look at those two things in order to take a decision that makes sense? Well, I I would always say, Patrick, what I what I talk with clients and and work with clients on is is improvements on their supply chain and how do you how do you make your supply chain you know, how do we prepare and, and, you know, turn as we need to. And when disruptions occur and these, you know, like you said, the normalcy is never returning. So how do we continue to stay nimble in our supply chains? And I would just say that if you're not, you know, working on uh, upgrading processes within your supply chain, you're not thinking about your organization and how you, you know, integrate all of your processes together, then it's not, it's not going to be successful for the future. So. Thanks. Uh, David, you, um, when we were, Offline earlier, you brought up this um, topic of the the British government and the decision they took uh, recently with regard to their their budget. What was what was in your mind? What were you thinking about in in the context of this conversation? Well, it was really about um, you know where the pressure came from for them to change their decision, and you know there is some talk in the in the market, I guess, about. Uh, the position that the media has taken, whether that be the normal mainstream media or whether it be uh, social media, it's having you know the, the the level of influence that it's having on changing people's views and minds. You know, there's no doubt. You know, we were saying that the population uh, didn't like it, the markets didn't like it, uh, and and I guess the question is, where does that come from? And you know, business leaders need to be conscious of their position in 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 the social media um, realm, if you like, and the and the influence that that can have on them. Um, you know, we've just had a, a major telecommunication organisation in Australia be hacked and, and, and you know, uh, people's passport numbers and licence numbers and they've been exposed to the dark web and, and they have actually been crucified on social media. Yeah, um, and, and so, you know, that is, that is a relatively new... Um, 
phenomena that people need to be careful of, and and you need to to take that into consideration with your your decision making. But but I you know I would also support Diane's uh, position on on uh, improvements in the supply chain, particularly I think you know one of the decisions you need to be taking in the short term to help you solve those longer term problems is finding ways to become more productive. Uh, and now that may be through use of, of, of better use of your, your technology and systems like ERPs and things, which, which we both play in, that space we both play in, um, you know, finding ways where you can put robotics into your warehouses or your, your factory floors and, and take the, 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 the uh, demand away from the labour that you're having so much trouble getting. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and just a final point on that, I, I, you mentioned that the demographics is changing. I, I think it's not too far in the future where we may have a, a bubble of a population coming through that are inexperienced in these spaces with these times. You know, um, we're talking about a, a lot of the, the baby boomers retiring or whatever it happens to be. They're, you know, they're the ones that have lived through the inflationary times in the past. Now, while the, some of the sources are slightly different, they've ex- at least been exposed to the, to the environment and, and seen what has and hasn't worked. So if we've got these younger people People coming through that are inexperienced in this space, you know, a lot of them have been um, working their lives in in, in stable uh, rate environments, the low interest rates. Uh, you know, this is going to be turned on its head in many cases, uh, particularly if we do seriously have a recession, and and the, and the Federal Reserve and and, and our reserve banks yeah. um, overcook all of this. There's there's a talent pool that doesn't have the experience to deal with this. It's true. Those of us who are old enough to remember the inflation of the 70s and 80s, we sometimes forget that there's a whole cohort of young adults who, who have never experienced that. So it's a totally, right. it's a totally new uh, experience for them. A couple of good points you made there. I think these productivity increases are really important now in a time of uh, uh, high inflation because productivity uh, improvement is an antidote to inflation, which gives you gives you options either to raise your price and take extra margin, or keep your price competitive and gain market share, one or the other, or, or a combination of both. And I think that point about um, social media uh, and how it affects businesses, it's as if businesses now are exposed to the same scrutiny as politicians and governments used to be through social media. So you can take a decision which you may believe makes logical sense, but if you take it out of context with what's going on, you could be crucified for it. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. So I, 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 one of the reflections I had is, is I and I and I found it useful to try to separate out the short term from the long term things because if I can see those long term things that I know are not going to change, I know that if I want to take a short term uh, action to remedy a, an acute pain point, I can always um, kind of health check it in the context of the bigger picture to give it context. And I also know that if I want to take a longer term decision, I can perhaps take it without paying a whole lot of attention to the short term shocks. So people might say, oh, well, you're crazy to be investing four million euros now in an automated system. But I'm going, well, you know, I'm looking at the long term trends and I'm not that concerned about the inflation right now because I know over the five, 10 year period, this investment is really going to stand stand by me. So I think it's useful maybe to uh, to um, split things split things up in 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 that way. So um, well, maybe maybe just to finish then, any any final uh, comments very quickly? Maybe a, a one liner from each of you, uh, Diane. Well, it was 
a pleasure to talk with all of you today, but I guess I was just going to pick up on David's uh, conversation on the on the social media and what the impacts are. And I, I think it's it's very true how it's influencing our, our talent, how it's influencing our governments, how it's influencing our you know overall long term world. So it is interesting how we you know have to as companies and business leaders, we have to keep an eye on what is happening on social media, what, what's being said about our our companies and just how do we you know navigate this this digital world that we're, we're living in. Excellent. Thanks, uh, Diane. Elizabeth, f- final word. Final word is to, to listen to all the experts that are here on this uh, this chat on this podcast today. We've got some some great uh, suggestions regarding short term, long term investments. Uh, I could not agree more with uh, everything that's been said. Uh, be flexible, be flexible and uh, look at those long term, short term investments. Thanks, Elizabeth and David. Well, mine's fairly simple, Patrick, because uh, I'm a simple man. Uh, these are exciting <laughs> times, and uh, it's a really good time to be be part of all of this. And I, I'm having a great time helping my clients through these challenges. So it's it's a great time to be around. Excellent, David. Many thanks, and thanks also to our listeners for tuning in. So keep well and stay safe until next time.